On episode 14 of the San Diego podcast, the B-side player's Carlos Paez explains why Carlos Santana owes him a favor, which vintage piece of clothing he's resold for $5,000 a pop, and how he's lost bandmates to slightly stupid Lenny Kravitz and others. All that and more is coming up next. Hello and welcome to the San Diego Podcast. I am your host, Dustin Lutzbike, and with me via FaceTime today is none other than Carlos Paez. Thank you for being on the pod, my friend. Yeah, thank you for having me. little background on Carlos. Um, he's a musical mastermind behind the B-side players. Is that accurate to say? Um, I don't know about master, but yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll go with it. We'll go with it for now. Uh B-side players, an eight-piece band. Is it eight or nine-piece now? Um, it's, it goes from like eight to sometimes up to ten players, yeah, depending on, um, you know, if we're touring or playing local. Okay, okay. So a multi-member uh, band. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're known for uh, their horn-driven, polyrhythmic Latin grooves, which mix sounds and styles from Cuba, Jamaica, Mexico, and Brazil with funk and rock and jazz and hip hop and pretty much everything under the sun. It's, it's, it's friggin' rad. And you guys are, um, San Diego based. You've won, uh, 10 San Diego music awards. Is it? I think it's up to like 13 now or so. Oh man. <laughs> it's, it's hard to keep count. There's so many. <laughs> uh, and you guys have toured all over, of course, and you're currently celebrating, um, from what I understand, your 26th year as a band man that's wild yeah 26 years man wow yeah did you ever think uh when you started beside players that it would in 2020 you would still be doing it no not at all no but uh, time flies when you're having fun man it's just like it, it's uh it's definitely like a lot of years but um uh we were we're basically like a touring live act so uh we were at one time we were averaging like 180 shows so it, it goes by like oh. the years go by yeah yeah 180 shows that is uh you guys are no slouch that's impressive that's a lot yeah. <laughs> how are you doing these days uh, how how are you uh keeping busy i mean i've been i've been like pretty active as far as like um using the the lockdown using the quarantine to like just be creative i've been doing a lot of uh, live streaming and writing so um it's it's basically no different like musicians like like i when i'm not touring I, i'm a homebody i stay home and um so it's it's the same it's just like everyone's in the house so you don't get that peace you don't get that you know alone time <laughs> yeah right i did notice that uh you've been um you have been live streaming uh, performances on your Facebook page the last little while. Yeah, uh, that's just that's just the um, like for me. That's it's. I would go insane if I didn't like play. If I didn't do a little, you know, got to play with my friends and um, most of the people that I'm doing uh, the live streaming with are are the people I've been touring with for over twenty years. So we've shared a van for so long. We're like all immune to to each other uh, <laughs> we we all share the same germs and everything right so, uh, it's basically anyone that has been in the b-side player van like 
I don't I don't have any fear because <laughs> we've shared every every germ and every every flu every virus. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh family, I guess you could call it. It's family. <laughs> yeah. Um I noticed in uh, one of your live streams, uh, Omar Lopez, who plays bass for you guys, he was in the performance with you. Yeah. Um, Omar, Omar is playing with the wa- original Wailers right now. Yeah. Which is Al Anderson is the guitarist of uh, who, who played Bob Marley for many years. So he, I got him that gig um, because of the manager of the, they were, they had some passport problems or some traveling problems with their current bass player and so they called me they're all do you know anyone that can fly to australia australia and do these gigs and i was like omar was the first one i called and he he jumped on the gig and i think he's been playing with them for like over five years now or four years yeah wow yeah that's wild man like i when i found out about that uh um you know i just it kind of blew my mind because i didn't i hadn't heard about it like i didn't know and um I thought, you know, I thought like local publications and stuff, we'd be jumping all over that. Like, oh, yeah. this guy's playing in the original Whalers. That's the B-side players has always been like that, kind of like that um, that center where these bands come to recruit guys. I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it sucks for me because I lose these great musicians. But, um, <laughs> you know, our drummer, our drummer, um, he, he uh, was recruited by Slightly Stupid, Ryan Moran, Rymo. Oh. And um, I mean that's a great gig because yeah. that's one of the highest grossing touring bands in the U.S. You know, so um, we've had uh, um, Harold Todd, who's Lenny Kravitz, um, saxophone player. You know, he was a B-side player for a year, two years or so, traveling with us. Yeah, and um, um, there's some some cats that have got some great gigs. You know, because you know you go out, you go on the road, and you start meeting. You know. Luckily, we've we've got to share the stage with some some heavy acts, you know, like uh, on the world music tip, you know, like a lot of reggae, of course, you know, Toots and the Maytals, the Wailers. Uh, ben Harper took us under his wings for many years, mm-hmm. you know, and that was that was cool because Ben Harper was like he's kind of like the young vibe that has that multicultural and the eccentric crowd that you know you got the hippies and the the music lovers and you know so that was that was amazing because uh we we um we made a lot of fans through him yeah and um so it's it's just like you you start you start uh playing with these great bands you know and then uh things happen and uh, a lot of guys get recruited you know but, but it's a good <laughs> it's a good thing it's a good thing so i'm i'm proud and i'm proud uh, uh that b-side players can you know start off your career like that <laughs> but how do you like how do you juggle scheduling stuff and tours and all this kind of thing like w- you know and also know in the back of your mind like man there might be other bands that might try <laughs> to snag these guys you know <laughs> i mean it's it's inedible you can't stop it i mean it's just all money too you know what i mean it's yeah. like how much how much is carlos paying you okay cool we'll triple that you know right <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? but it's just like and it's also like, it, that's just the way it is, you know. Like, but um, as far as like um, San Diego, like I th- I think uh, I've counted like when we had our twentieth anniversary, I counted how many musicians have been in the B side players. Like, not I'm not talking about sitting in playing a, a gig. I'm talking about like 
actually being part of the the band it's been like around 75 players oh wow yeah oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> well i i do a segment on this podcast it's uh it's called first four and um i think it's a good spot for it it's a series of questions that i ask our guests and mm-hmm. um and sometimes I change up the fourth question depending on who's on the show. But uh, anyway, the premise is we go back in time a little bit. We get a look uh, at the musical things that kind of helped you uh, make who you are today. Okay. So the first question, what was the first band or artist that you ever really loved or obsessed about? Uh, I'm going to have to say Bob Marley. Bob mm-hmm. Marley. Just as, just like it was the first uh, music that the lyrics really spoke to me, you know. Yeah. So, and that big big influence, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's very uh, conscious driven uh, lyrics, and something that people can identify in, in your music too. Yeah, wow. yeah, that's very cool. Um, what about the first album that you bought yourself? You remember? I think my first album was it was well, it wasn't. I didn't. I didn't buy it, but the, I, there's actual uh, pictures of me as a infant with uh, my dad's record, Los Moonlights, which is a band from Tijuana um, in the '70s and late '60s and '70s, and they're they're famous for like doing like cumbia and and um, music. It's called uh, música bailable, like easy to dance to. Mm. So that was the first record that I ever, you know that I ever have pictures of me holding. But as far as me purchasing a record, I think um, the first record I ever bought was the Beastie Boys. Yeah. That was the first record. uh, And that was like the Together Forever tour in the late late 80s. Yeah. Mm. And that that blew my mind. (laughs) 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 To this this day, it's a great record, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. was that the their first record, the Beastie Boys? That was, well, it was the Rick Rubin with the airplane. Oh, uh, with the airplane, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I was, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's an epic, then, legendary record, yeah. Because I think uh, I, I just started collecting vinyl, uh, and I started getting. I was into hip hop when I was young, you know, the whole break dancing thing. But, mm-hmm. but that was like the first record I purchased. I bought. Were you were you a break dancer? I did. <laughs> Um, I wasn't a breaker, uh, but I, I definitely went like every, like the skating rink in National City. We that's our that would be our hangout, the skating rink, and they would start breaking like in between skating sessions or outside, and so that was a big part of the culture back then. But yeah, I used to hang out in the skating rink, and I grew up in National City in low income apartments right there by Sweetwater High School. And um, that skating rink was pretty popular back in the 80s. Yeah, I bet. Wow, that's crazy. Um, what was the first concert that you went to that you really, that you maybe you bought a ticket to? That was my concert. It was the Together Forever. It was Run DMC, Houdini, Beastie Boys. Um, who else was on it? LL Cool J. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I was a kid, but, but I'm, my, my, my mom let me go, so that was a big deal. You remember where and that the, was at? It was at the sports arena. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's wild. That's wild. 
Beastie yeah. Boys, Hello Cool J, Run DMC. Oh, you can't beat that. That's great. Right. Um, what's the first musical guilty pleasure that you had growing up that maybe you didn't want to tell your friends that you listened to, but you were a big fan of? Oh, man. <laughs> I was a big fan of like, like all that L.A. disco stuff, like the you know Stevie B and like Trenier and all the all the bands that that was it was just like the L.A. pop scene kind of uh it, I think you call it freestyle now. Mm. I was a big fan of freestyle music because that was back in the days. All the all the mini trucks on Highland were would be cruising and they would have that kind of music just bumping like distorted out of their their car stereos. <laughs> And oh man, I love that. I love that. That whole like little, that whole time, that era back then was just like, you know, now we have uh, the car crews in Barrio Logan uh, called La Vuelta. Mm -hmm. And people are like, they're bumping oldies and they're bumping like, uh, you know, a lot of like, um, a lot of Chicano oldie music. But back then they were bumping like that freestyle stuff, like. And uh, so that was my guilty pleasure music. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, I was uh, I was talking about La Vuelta with um, with Choosy, the rapper Choosy. Um, yeah, Choosy's Choosy's the man right now. Yeah, he's he's good. He's very he's good. really good. And um, he yeah he basically he has a lot of songs inspired by Body Logan. That song with Alo Black. If I had a lowrider, yeah, yeah. that's the cut. That's the jam right there. Yeah. And so his videos, yeah, Body Logan comes out in his, a lot of his videos. and It's part of, um, he's definitely, he's definitely like inspired by, by what's happening there. Yeah. I, you know, speaking of Barrio Logan, um, I used to work down there actually for uh, a couple of years, but, um, but you own and operate San Diego Vintage Company, right? On yeah, Logan Avenue? Right, it's on Logan Avenue, right on, um, right next to Border X Brewery, across the street from Salud. So yeah. it's a good spot. A lot of there's a lot of you know tourism, and um, I don't really promote the shop a lot. I just people just walk in there, and and um, that's my business. A lot of people from out of town come um, come by, and people that are into the vintage stuff. But I, I do a lot of records as well, and I do a lot of you know a lot of collectibles like old cool stuff you know lunch pails and the stuff that i grew up with you know in the 70s and 80s uh you know if you ever come across a uh a pair of like the 85 jordan ones i'll uh oh, let me oh, know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah i think um that that's the cool thing about the 85 jordans is that we used to we used to wear those to skate, you know. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was like a skating shoe back then. It was, it was expensive skating shoe, but yeah, those are great. Those that's what that was the style back then for the skaters. Yeah, for sure. That's so funny because I always, you know, I I, you know, I, I skated a little bit when I was growing up, but um, I was not, I always wore like you know like DCs and stuff like yeah. that. This was you know a little later era, uh -huh. but uh, I never thought of Jordans as as skating shoes. You know, back in the day, you know, right? Uh, but it's very funny to me. And I, um, but yeah, I mean, what what made you decide to kind of get into that business? Well, ever since I was um, like in the when we started the band in the early nineties, I was doing the I was into the the Levi the 
the Levi game, I, um, I just, I was thrifting a lot and I, I met Japanese, I met Japanese and they were just like, fine, look for this. And then I started doing the Rose Bowl and, um, I started, you know, there was Levi's out there that were worth like $5,000. I sold a pair of Levi's for like $6,000 at the Rose Bowl Wow! When, when I was like, you know, 18 years old, 19 years old. And that just flipped it. I bought a Cadillac cash. <laughs> and so I was rolling around in this caddy that I, that I, that I bought off a pair of Levi's that I sold to the Japanese and the Japanese are like, bring me more, you know? So then I started doing, um, I was doing vintage, you know, Nike shoes. Um, I was doing Levi's and I had a couple of Japanese customers that would actually come to San Diego and just buy directly from me. Wow. But then when I got hip to the Rose Bowl, then it just, the game, my game just went up so much because the Rose Bowl is where all the Japanese go to buy vintage back then. I mean, it's still to this day, that's where everybody goes to, you know, to sell. You know, you see like Drew Barrymore, you know, walking around buying like antique furniture and stuff. And, but uh, yeah, the, the Rose Bowl is heavy. Is that the swap meet? The Pasadena swap meet. Pasadena swap meet. Yeah. Man, I used to go to, I, I, I grew up largely in, um, like the Northridge area and, um, man, there's some crazy swap meets out that way too. And, um, I would go every, every weekend with my mom. My mom was a big swap meet person. And so I always go to the swap meets and, uh, I got so into baseball cards and comics and all that stuff. And, um, man, I haven't been in a while, but, uh. That'd be fun. It'd be fun to do a swap meet again. Is there a, uh, like a Holy grail out there when you're in a thrift store? Is there something like one thing that like in the back of your mind that you're always kind of got your sights set on that someday you'll find. Is there anything like that? Well, I'm always looking for those biggie, like those biggie jeans, the, the Levi's, you know, and that when you see them, it's like, you know, right away because, um, they're dark. They stay, they, they stay dark forever because they used to use this indigo um, indigo on them to, to keep them dark blue. So when you see them right away, you're like, oh, man. <laughs> so they, they don't fade. They stay blue forever. And then, of course, like they have like copper rivets on them. And then you can just tell when you see on the belt, belt buckle in the back. These jeans right away, when you if you ever see them, you already know that you, you're going to make the you know, over two thousand, three thousand dollars off the jeans. Oh man, that's wild! I can't even <laughs> imagine that. That's crazy. I I had no idea that. Uh, but it's been it's been like three years. I I found I found a I found a pair of them in Chula Vista at a thrift store, and I sold them to a to a French guy. A French guy I took them back to France, and I. I think I made like thirty five hundred off them, and, but I I, I should have kept them. I should have kept them because because them. I don't think I'll I'll find. I don't. Well, I'm not going to say I'm never, but <laughs> it's it's going to be hard. <laughs> when I was in uh, Denver a couple years ago, there was a store there that I found. It was called like you know, um, the eighties shop or something like that. And they had all this stuff from the eighties and, oh, it was so awesome. Just, 
just oh, everything from my childhood, you know, I, I yeah. just walked in there. It was just instantly it took me back to like 1982, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's like me. Like, uh, man, that was, that was my time. Like He-Man, I was, yeah. I was so much into He-Man. Yeah. Um, I, I love He-Man so much. I would, I would come home after school and watch the show. Yeah. But all the toys, all the He-Man toys, that was big. Oh, yeah. He-Man. And I was really into this show. It was this cartoon. And I don't know if many people are going to remember this, but it was called Mask. And Mask. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> And it stood for something. It was like G.I. Joe's, but it was like mask. And it oh, okay. each, each letter stood for something. And uh, they had was like... Was it all, kind of like a... Was it like a bootleg of G.I. Joe? I think it, it was a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But like they had like... Like they had uh, these cars that would like um, transform into... <laughs> not transformers, but they would like... You would be able to move them around, all the pieces around, and they would like they had like a Chevy Blazer or something, and the the nice. back would pop up, and it would turn into <laughs> like a machine gun and stuff, yeah. and like the wheels would flip up, so it would fly around and everything. It was wild. It was wild, but so it was like a GI Joe Transformer kind of. Yeah, vibe. it was total <laughs> one of those shows that like you know you know the executives at all the cartoon places were like we got to pump out some more stuff like GI Joe yeah. and Transformers <laughs> and stuff and they're like okay what about this idea you know and uh, it was wild. Oh yeah. uh, man, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look for the, I'm gonna look for a mask. Yeah, yeah, those. Uh, I I'll find you one. Yeah, find me one. I'll <laughs> I will buy it. If you find me a, a a car, one of the cars, there's like a a red Camaro, and then there's like yeah. a black Chevy Blazer. If you find one of those, let oh, me know. Man. I will buy it from you. Um, but man, the okay. eighteen, the eighteen was cool. Dude. Yeah, it, it was honestly. I think Mask was more like the eighteen. Like it was like a, okay. it was like five or six people, like characters, and yeah. they and they each had like a cool, you know, car or motorcycle or something that they would use to, you know, fight crime and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I don't know. It was weird. And I, and I never see anybody talking about it, but, uh, that was <laughs> one of my favorites, man. It was awesome. That and baseball cards. I was huge yeah. into baseball cards. Um, and I'd, I'd go to swap meets and I would just, I would, I would buy packs of baseball cards. I would open mm-hmm. them up and then I would sell the good cards I got back to right. the guy who sold me the packs of baseball cards <laughs> to buy more packs of baseball cards. There you go. <laughs> I think I, so- I sold my Ricky Henderson rookie card for $75 at a pawn shop, and um, I bought my first distortion pedal with that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. See, yeah. that's that's smart. That's smarter than what I was doing. I was mm-hmm. just trying to get more cards, but you <laughs> you used it towards your musical ambitions, which is really yeah. cool. Do you still have your Tony Gwynn Ricky card? I do not. No, no. I don't. Yeah, and okay. uh, I I my buddy um, Rodrigo actually gave me the this Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card that I have been nice. I have been looking for forever that I always wanted when I was a kid, and I never got. My brothers had like four of them each they each wow. had like four ken griffey jr rookie cards and i they wouldn't give me one that's how mean they <laughs> were to me all the time so uh so he gave that to me i think it was two years ago now and i still got it yeah. up on my uh on my bookshelf here so i can look at it every now and then but um right. yeah baseball cards used to be the i don't know if they are anymore but they used to be like that used to be like a money money making thing are they like that still i mean i don't know if it was like back then but there definitely is a market, but I'm I'm into the jerseys right now, like the sports jerseys. Mm. That's the that's a big, uh, I, you know, like 
Bo Jackson or, yeah. you know, of course, all the all the great Padres, like, you know. Um, but, yeah, even football, too. Like, I just sold the Marcus Allen jersey. Oh, nice. Because, um, you know, every everyone has, like, their players that they grew up with, like their heroes. So there's a big market for that. I saw on uh, San Diego Vintage Company's uh, Instagram that you had a uh, – uh-huh. You had a Dennis Rodman jersey and a Michael yeah. Jordan jersey. Uh, you know what people are asking for is Cl- San Diego Clippers. Yes, um, yes. Stuff. I have it's a San Diego's Clippers hat. I have a yeah, old, that's cool. old one. It's hard yeah. to find that. It's hard to find that stuff. But yeah, the, you know, people people here in San Diego they want to wear the San Diego. But I got I gave a San Diego Clippers like a starter jacket. I gave it to my friend Unite. He's the DJ for Tribe of Kings. And it was like a mint condition, big old white jacket, and that was that was pretty rare. That's awesome. I would like to uh, play a little trivia game now, and um, it's called A or B side. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's get into it. I am going to give you three questions and each one will have two possible answers. Each week I come up with these questions with a particular theme in mind. And since the B-side players have played shows and know so many great bands, you guys are friends with everybody. This week's is called the B-side connection. (laughs) All right. So number one, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, the B-side players have uh played with the original whalers mm-hmm. the band was formed by as you said uh al anderson who used to play with bob marley mm-hmm. and junior marvin who also played with bob marley uh in 1998 al anderson performed on a famous singer's debut album which won some grammys who was that singer a lauren hill or b Erica Badu. I'm going to say uh, Lauren Hill because she's more connected to the Marley family. You are correct. Yes. Right, yes. That uh, that album, as everyone knows, is called The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. It won her five Grammy Awards that year. Wow. And it still holds up to this day. It's such a fantastic record. So on that note, our guitarist, our current guitarist, Brian Jordan, who was um, playing with Carl Dinson's Tiny Universe. He he toured with Lauren Hill for I think three years. Oh so, wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. See, you're teaching me things on this trivia <laughs> game. I like that. I like that. That's awesome. Um, all right. So you're one for one. You're doing well. Number two. B-side players have been described as War meets Lenny Kravitz by the way of Ben Harper. Uh, fun fact: War who wrote the songs Low Rider and Why Can't We Be Friends, has local ties as lead singer Lonnie Jordan was born right here in San Diego. In 1998, a Southern California ska punk band covered Why Can't We Be Friends on their first album, and they released it as a single, and it did pretty well. Who was that band? Was it A, No Doubt, or B, Smash Mouth? No doubt. Oh, <laughs> the correct oh answer is Smash Mouth. <laughs> Smash Mouth? Yeah. Are they a ska band? 
at the i mean or very early on yeah they were more scotch than they they kind of changed after they got a couple hits they were like okay let's make more kind of pop rocky kind of stuff so uh maybe a little tricky that that one might have been a little tricky that's all right you're gonna get the (laughs) next one you'll get the next one it's all right uh number three you and the band are good friends with ozumotli uh, mm-hmm. In 1998, Ozamotli released their first album, and they happened to catch a huge break right after that. An iconic rock pop artist uh, heard them and was so impressed that he personally asked Ozamotli to open his 1999 tour. Who was it? Was it A, Prince, or B, Carlos Santana? Carlos Santana. You're correct. <laughs> Man, that was a huge tour. That was for uh, Supernatural, that yeah. album that he won nine Grammys for. That was amazing. Yeah, that was big. Have you ever uh, uh, have you ever met Santana? Um, no, but um, he he called me uh, through the phone and he asked me to take his son out with us. Um, so we we did a whole tour with his son. Uh, Salvador Santana, and he toured with us uh, the whole United States for three months. And um, but I never got to meet Carlos Santana personally, but he owes me a favor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, you know what? It's on the pod. Maybe he'll listen to it. Maybe he'll be like, you know what? I owe Carlos a call. We're gonna hang out one of these days. <laughs> yeah. While we may not be hanging out in person at the moment, you better believe there are plenty of great concert live streams on the way. Next up, the San Diego set list. While some parts of the world are starting to open up, the wait for concerts continues. Until then, here's our set list of next week's best virtual shows to help tide you over. On Saturday at 3 p.m., you're all invited to Sublime with Rome's online barbecue slash concert. All proceeds will be donated to the Music Cares COVID-19 Relief Fund, so help them out by heading over to nugs.tv to purchase access to the show. Also on Saturday, and Sunday as well, Delfest at Home brings I'm With Her, the Trey Anastasio Band, Bela Fleck, and others to your living room at 1.30 p.m. Visit Delfest's Facebook and YouTube pages to watch. On Friday, the fun gets started early on the dark side of the moon. Pink Floyd will be streaming never-before-seen concert footage at 9 a.m. on their YouTube page. And that same day at 3 p.m., Dropkick Murphys and Bruce Springsteen team up remotely at Boston's Fenway Park for a collaborative performance on the Murphys' YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter pages. Carlos, it has been a pleasure talking to you today, man. I had a good time. Yeah, thank you. I had a great time. Thank you so much, man. Be sure to visit thebsideplayers.com for music and band news. And when the lockdown is lifted, definitely visit San Diego Vintage Company at 2185 Logan Avenue and get your shopping on. You can find bonus notes on this episode at sounddiego.com. And for even more music coverage, tune in to San Diego TV on NBC7 at 1.30 a.m., this Saturday night to pair the sights with the sounds. As always, we wrap up every show with our local spotlight artist of the week. And naturally we're going to let Carlos himself play us out with the new B-side players track firme mood. It's got a great vibe and I think it's the perfect ending to this episode for the San Diego podcast. 
I am your host, Dustin Lutzbike. And until next time, stay safe and enjoy the music. Feed me.